We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. God bless you. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your guest host, Johnny T, and today my guest is Miss Freddie. Miss Freddie has won numerous music awards as a blues and gospel musician, including the 2019 Pittsburgh Music Best Blues Band Award and the 2021-2022 Modern Soulful Musician of the Year. How are you doing today, Miss Freddie? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. One of your songs, and I was listening to it today, is called Doorway to the Blues. So tell me how you got into the blues, because the blues is something that's birthed from experience. It's birthed from tragedy and victory. It's birthed from all those things. So tell me about how you got started singing the blues. My parents, both being from the South, my dad listened to country, my mom listened to blues, and growing up, I didn't like it because I like the latest that was out there. I'm a late 60s, 70s child, so I was listening to everything but that, anywhere from the Beatles to the Temptations. I was singing one night, 25, 26 years ago, to my youngest. Uh, I was singing Silent Night, and the guy that I was dating was a bass player in a blues band, and he heard me sing, and he said, I didn't know you could sing, and I said, I didn't know I could sing either. He said, well, we're looking for a singer for our band, and I was very hesitant. I truly was because my stage fright is just, it's off the charts. It's bad. (laughs) It still is, but I've, I've learned to deal with it. I auditioned for the band. The band was in one room. I went into the bathroom. They had a hundred foot cord, went in the bathroom. I turned on water. They gave me a song to sing and I sang it. And here I am today. That's how I started singing blues. And then I started listening to Etta James, Big Mama Thornton, Sarah Vaughn, Billie Holiday. That's how I got started. I absolutely love singing blues. Well, that's great. And you do a great job. Thank you. Yeah, your music is very cool. And it's kind of got a bit of a funky vibe. Some of the songs I was listening to today kind of reminded me of that, that late 70s, early 80s kind of rhythm and blues kind of funk stuff. And it was it was great. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks. I understand that you grew up in the church. Yeah, I remember four years old starting out in church. That's how I heard the song, Wade in the Water. This choir was singing, and it was absolutely beautiful. As time went on, I joined the church choir at 15. 
And I had my first solo and I'm telling you, Johnny, it was terrible. (laughs) It was so bad. And that's where my stage fright came in. But that was my first time performing in, especially church folks. It was kind of interesting. The church went dead silent after I was done. And I said, I won't do this again. And I was hyperventilating. I was sweating. It's 15 year old. But I kept singing in church choirs over the years. And today I have two bands, but the the acoustic band is also a spinoff band. We just do gospel. I'm happy to do it. I love gospel. So that's how I got started. So faith has always been a big part of your life. How did that grow with you as you developed in your music career? Because I know that in the entertainment industry, there's a lot of temptation. There's a lot of misdirection. Did you find that your faith grounded you? My journey of faith actually started in 98. I'm a nurse by trade, surgical oncology, and I've been a nurse for a long time, 35 years as a nurse, and it's, it's fine. But it really started in 98. I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Being a nurse, taking care of those type of patients anyway, I know better, and I know you folks out there who healthcare providers will probably be saying something about this, but I had, first thing came to my head was, why me? I do my breast exams every month. I'm careful, although I was a smoker. Hmm. I'm careful. You do breast exams every month. I exercise, but it didn't matter and it doesn't matter. And that same year, probably a few months after I was diagnosed, had my surgery, my oldest was shot. Hmm. He and I are very close. He's alive today. I told him ever since he was born, I would pray every day, even if it's a three, a three word prayer or a half an hour prayer, I would pray every day. But 98, that year was a test of my faith and what, and my belief in miracles. By all right, my oldest should not have been here. I never once was angry with God. I said, I know there's a reason. And somehow I got to pay attention years down the line. There's a reason for all of this me with the breast cancer, him with his injuries, something, something's got to prevail and over the years. And then thank goodness for the music because the music was there too. I wasn't doing gospel, I was doing blues, but it made me realize you have to appreciate what's given to you. And mm-hmm. I tell people, I am thankful for not only the good, but I'm thankful for the bad. People are like, oh, really? I said, because you, if you pay attention to what's your surroundings and yourself and what's given to you, you'll learn to appreciate that. I said, because there's a lot of people that I've met, patients, friends, families, they're not alive today. They all died young and they don't have that opportunity to develop their faith, whatever your belief is, your faith, your belief. And over the years, I chose music that could relate to people. Because I'm going to tell you, Johnny, up until maybe three or four years ago, I didn't realize, maybe five years ago, how much I put my heart and soul when I perform to people. Because what I'm trying to do is to ease their mind and soothe their soul. And so there's a, there's a pastor up in Brackenridge, Pennsylvania, here in the States, Pastor Greg Spencer. He noticed something in me and I go to his church every now and then, and I'll record a couple of songs for their online service. And I did their Easter service. And I know I told him about a year or two ago, I said, I really am interested in ministering, but I think I want to do it through music because apparently certain songs that I sing every single show I do, whether it's a duo act, a full band, 
gospel, whatever, somebody's coming up and saying that one song, or I remember you're talking about this. I can relate to that. I feel like you were singing to me. Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to sing to every single individual. As I was telling my boyfriend, I said, I think, I said, not think. I said, I actually believe I actually have a purpose on this earth now, not only as a nurse, but as a musician, I can bring those two together and bring people together. It's rewarding when we find our purpose because Mm -hmm. we struggle in our lives to figure out, okay, why am I here? What am I doing on this earth? Things that happen to us in our lives shape us as a person and they shape our experience and they shape our testimony for God. When I say younger generation, younger than 45, 40, they have no faith. They don't attend church. They don't believe in God. And I'm going to tell you something. A lot of them I have come across, they see how I am and they're like, oh, you're not like preachy and trying Mm -hmm. to like drill something in my head. I said, well, growing up, I was the same way. I thought I was all that bag of chips. I thought I was going to live forever. (laughs) My mother couldn't tell me nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've learned to grow up. At 25, I woke up, I had a three-year-old and I said, I got to get myself together. It's time Mm. for me to think about a career. I'm not getting younger. I'm going forward in time as long as I'm on this earth. I try not to lecture because it does turn a lot of people off. I don't swear. I used to when I was younger. Ho, ho, ho. And I tell people, and they're like, you swear? And I'm like, really? You think I'm perfect? I'm not. I said I used to. It doesn't get me anywhere. Mm -hmm. People look at me with respect. And I said, if you want respect, you have to earn it. You cannot go out here and just shoot off at the mouth and say and do what you want to. I said, three reasons. Number one, I'm God's child. We all are. Mm -hmm. Number two, I'm a mom and I got kids that would be embarrassing to my children. And I said, number three, I'm a public figure now, not only as a nurse, but as a musician. Mm -hmm. And I said, and number four, it's about self-respect. I respect myself. I don't need to be F-bombing and saying words that are just so not colorful. I said, I don't need to do that to get my point across. You have to be accountable for your actions. Do you have self-respect for yourself? And then number two, do you want everybody else to respect you because people will respect you. If you're swearing too much, I'll say, my ears are bleeding. Can't you see all that blood on the ground? And they're like, whoa, what are you talking about? It's a figure of speech. So (laughs) I remember when I came back to Lord in my early twenties, living that lifestyle. And it's just part of like, I wasn't a big swearer myself either, but he's the odd word here and there. And I I remember a buddy coming up to me at work and he, he just stopped and he looked at me, says, Johnny says, what really happened to you? It's just so important that we realize yep. that you're right. You earn that respect, but you also get self-respect for yourself when you realize what God's done in your heart. The Bible says, you know, a tree by its fruit. And if you've got somebody who's saying, yep, yeah, I'm a Christian and I believe in God, but that fruit doesn't bear that out. That's there's right. going to be some questions there. And we're here to represent Jesus. And it doesn't have to be, like you said, hitting somebody over the head with a Bible saying, you're going straight to hell, blah, 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 all that stuff. If you don't accept Jesus, all we need to live out our faith on a daily basis. 
every day there's a temptation in front of me. There's not a day. Go, I say, can I get a break, Lord, please? Can you tell the devil just, you know, go down the street or something, bother somebody else? My job, for example, I love what I do. It's the first type of job I've had in my nursing career, and it's outpatient nursing. And we deal with pancreatic, rectal, and colon cancers. Cancer, I know firsthand, getting the C word is terrible. And there's days that if my boss comes over to our side of the campus, I'll go in the office and I'll sit there and she's like, what's the matter? I'm like, I just need a break. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm doing this. And she's like, because you love what you do. I said, I actually do love what I do. I said, but sometimes it it can be overwhelming. It can be. But at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you something. I tell people, it's not about me. Mm-hmm. I have ingrained that in my head so much that soon as I feel like I'm going to falter, like I'm going to say, I'm done. That's it. I'm retiring. Forget all this. Wait a minute. You're helping these people for a reason. Number one, trying to negotiate through the healthcare system. That's a nightmare, but I've learned how to do it with patients. And number two, I try to gather as much information for those people as possible. And number three, when you work with other healthcare providers in different departments and they know they can rely on you. And then number four, the surgeon that I work for, he's a great person to work for. He's a great surgeon. Patients love him. Different healthcare providers, doctors, surgeons, medical or whatever, medical oncologists, they have the utmost respect for him. That puts a stop. And I tell the devil, well, too bad for you because you're not all that in a bag of chips. This is not your time and I'm not going to let go of what I do. And it's hard. I tell people, you, you got to work at it every single day of your life. But it doesn't wear me down. It used to, because I used to let it, because when I let it wear me down, I used to bring my work issues home and I stopped doing it. When I walk through that door, my family, they always like the happy smell on my face. <laughs> I'm like, this is getting old, people. I want to come in frowning. But you know what? Not anymore, because I come in the door, man, I get to live another day to experience all that I experienced, whether it was good or bad. If I had a happy day, I'm like, yay. If I had a bad day, I'm like, okay, yay. I got through it. I'm alive. I can testify about it. Talking about testifying, you got uh, diagnosed in 1998, but you also had uh, another diagnosis in 2004? Yep, 2004. And this time, it's kind of interesting about that because the first time I told the surgeon, who I also took care of his patients on the floor, His patients loved him. His work looked great. And he had a great bedside manner. I told him in 98, I said, it's going to come back. He's like, oh, no, because I didn't have to have any chemotherapy, radiation. He was very positive. I'm like, okay, but it's coming back. I started having some weird symptoms in the other breast. And I said, it's back. So made an appointment. His nurse got me in. He's like, well, you know what? I'll biopsy here in the office. I got a call three days later. It's back. When can you have the surgery? I said, how's your schedule next week? (laughs) He added me on. I'll never forget that Wednesday. And I went home that Friday. And then that was the year I had a lot of complications. Got an infection, hard-headed me, not paying attention. In September of that year, I started chemo. And I used to give chemo, so I knew better. I knew the signs to look for. And then a week later, my nadir, which means everything started full blown, I started feeling sick. I'm like, eh, probably like the chemo really taking effect. 
started getting fevers, delirious. And my oldest and uh, one of my nephews were in the studio recording a hip hop CD. So they asked me to put some blues vocals. So I went to the studio. I didn't feel good. And my nephew said, hey, Freddie, you don't look good. I'm like, eh, I said, I think I'll just go up to the uh, emergency room when I'm done here. By the time I got there, I was delirious. So people, if you're delirious, don't Mm. drive. That's dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa. By the time I got there, my temperature was 104. I was delirious. Mm. And the surgeon came in and he said, had you waited 24 hours, you'd have been dead. I'm like, of course. (laughs) That was a journey. What bothered me was getting the chemo that I was getting, because I used to give that type of chemo. Chemotherapy in my head just bothered me. I'm like, I don't like being nauseous. I can take pain. I don't like nausea and headaches, but any other kind of pain, I can take anything else. And I told them, just give me something for nausea. Give me something for my anxiety. It took me a half an hour because I was watching the chemotherapy come down to the tube. And I said, you got to stop. I don't know if I want to do this, you know, and the nurses were so, they were great at McGee Women's Hospital here in Pittsburgh. They were wonderful. I love them. I have nothing but high praises for the Breast Cancer Center. They took me out of dark places and that really tested my faith. And I just prayed for the three months that I was getting chemo. And I said, Lord, I know it'll probably come back again, but you know what? That's not for me to be predicting because I don't know. And here I am. From 2004, 2014, getting scans every year, 2014, my medical oncologist said, I'll see you when I see you. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, you're done. Just come and see me. He's like, if you just want to say hi. So matter of fact, I may make an appointment this year to see. (laughs) Just to say hi. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. because I've been bringing up his name to a lot. And there's a couple of patients that have gone to him. We share war stories. Yeah. I was going to ask you about your journey through that uh, second diagnosis, because they could be dark places when we oh, think, yeah. when we think that our life is in God's hands, and even if things aren't like continually rosy, how did you rebound from that? It was very easy. Number one, you know how you hear people say God put certain people, the right kind of people, in your life. First of all, the gentleman that I was dating at the time, he knew that my anxiety was through the roof. He was a man of faith always words of encouragement if I ever need anything. And then I had friends, nurses, which is kind of interesting because they always leaned on me because I'm the one, the strong one. We can get through this. Let's say a prayer. I pray for people. Some of them, they didn't pray, but I would pray for them. And then I did a lot of soul searching. I said, okay, Lord, you gave me the tools that I knew it was back. There was no doubt. And I knew I had to go through something that strength, the second time strengthened my faith and in miracles. Cause once again, I could have died, stubborn me, not paying attention, being surrounded by people who really care. I always tell people, put yourself or the situation in God's unchanging hands. His hands never change, mm-hmm. never, ever. They never falter. And that's what I did. I did that. There were days that I was so sick to my stomach. I'm like, oh, and I said, you know what? Let me just get through this. And I would go into prayer. Then when I was done prayer, whether it was a short prayer or a half an hour, and then I started meditating. God bless one of the nurses, my chemo nurse. Uh, There was two of them I would go in every time I get chemo. And one of them was into the whole holistic meditation. And she was also religious. 
she said, I noticed you pray before we start giving your chemo. I said, you betcha, because I do not want anything to happen while I'm here. I'll wait till I get home. And she started laughing. And she taught me how to meditate. And she said, when you're praying, she said, after you're done with your prayer, keep yourself calm and grounded and just do that. I tell you, it is a wonderful thing. If you're not a believer in God, you're going to believe in something. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a positive something. And that's what I tell a lot of people nowadays. I said, relax yourself, ground yourself, take all of that away from you for just one minute, surround yourself with just calm and quiet and see what happens. I said, you may have to do that a few times, but I said, it works for me because of my faith growing up in the church. And then over the years, becoming a firm believer, a Christian works for me. I'm a happy camper. I'm just ecstatic because there's days I'm so depressed. It's insane. All right, Lord, this is you. This is not me. This is your business. This is not my business. What am I supposed to do next? And I tell you, there's, there are a lot of situations, Johnny, that I didn't know how I was going to survive or what I was going to do next. And I was confused, angry. All of a sudden, I did start coming to my head, whatever the issue situation was. And here I am talking to you and everybody else out there today about this. I think God reveals himself to us, as you said, through meeting people who he puts in our path. I believe in divine, not coincidences, I believe in divine meetings between people as their paths cross. Somebody will have a word for you. Somebody will give you that encouragement. Somebody will pray for you. That's so important that we ourselves do that for others and just be aware of what, what God is trying to do through us. We're almost out of time. If somebody wants to find you to listen to your music or find out more about your shows, where would they go? You can check out my website, missfreddy.com, M-I-S-S-F-R-E-D-D-Y-E. If you just want to listen to my music, which a lot of people are like, hey, they'll send me messages like, I was doing housework and I was listening to this song. I'm like, oh, cool. Yeah. You can go to YouTube and type in my name. You'll find me there. You can find me on CD Baby, Amazon, iHeartRadio, iTunes. If you just want to chime my music and just take a listen to it. Wait in the Water is great, but there is one that I really love. And it's something to believe in. If you find yourself, I tell people lost, go on YouTube, type in Miss Freddie, something to believe in. It was written by Frank Wildhorn, Linda Edders. She sang it. And Brian Cole, who produced it for me and did the rearranging. It's a beautiful song. I take it as a song of faith mm -hmm. and a song of you finally found someone or you found something that you could believe in. That's where you can find me. Instagram. Find me on Twitter. Find me on Facebook. So pretty much everywhere. So that's awesome. Everywhere. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay. Final thought. If you were going to tell somebody one thing about God, what would that be? Ooh, that's a hard slash easy one. Actually, that question was asked to me by a friend of mine a few weeks ago. That's interesting you said that. So I told my friend, look into your heart and listen to all the positive versus the negative. There could be a balance. One could tip the scale over the other. But at the end of the day, if you're doing that, that's how you know God is in existence because you're paying attention and you're keeping yourself 
with, I call it within that no. I think that's how I would approach that with someone. And that's how I approached that when I had the conversation. It was a deep conversation with my friend. That's what I would say. And find someone who is willing to give you that message to show you, to teach you about God, the scriptures. At the same time, they show you the love, whether you're convinced or not, because it'll make you go back for more. Your curiosity will keep peaking each and every time. Amen. And it's important for us to be those vessels for God to use. That's right. It's been awesome having you here. I've, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to listening to more of your music. Thank you so much. I'm excited because I got some new stuff coming out this summer. Well, we'll have to have another chat after your new album comes out. Then. Absolutely. God bless you so much. Thanks. Same to Bye. you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Everybody's searching for answers. Everybody's trying to find some meaning in their life. Where do we belong? Who will be our shelter? Looking for salvation, a haven in the storm. Something to believe in We all need A light to see us through We all need Something to believe in I found something to believe in In a youth I was like a wave of shit Drifting out to nowhere Tossing in the raging waters Trying to find my way home You must be an angel Watching over me You're loving on my heart Now I know I'm not alone We all need something to believe in Yes, we all need A light to see us through We all need Something to believe in I found something to believe in Here are you Now that I found you I'm never
that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.